Focus on Headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters in Cha Yoon-kyung and Son Myun. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening to you guys. Myun, I know it's, uh, it's, it's cold. Everyone's getting sick. Yes. Everyone's I have a very sick. runny and stuffy voice. Excuse oh, myself. That, that is the worst when you have the runny, vo- <laughs> uh, runny nose, yeah. uh, which is why, again, for our listeners out there, although uh, we have decided to take off our masks, uh, if... Any of us uh, are feeling under the weather or sick. Uh, we are going to be opting to wear a fast ma- uh, face mask. So do bear with us here. Uh, nevertheless, we have a number of issues to cover. But first and foremost, uh, we're going to start things off domestically here. We have been seeing severe dry weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, dry weather warning has been issued uh, this across the nation. This is due to strong winds. Uh, there's been more than 35 forest fires that occurred uh, over the weekend nationwide. You're going to start us off with the latest on this. Yes, SJ. So while the nation is under dry weather warning, wildfires have occurred in various parts of the country, causing the damage such as burning private houses. As fires break out simultaneously across the country, forest authorities have to distribute extinguishing equipment and manpower, but the strong wind is making it difficult. According to the Korea Forest Service's real-time forest fire information website on the 2nd, uh, more than 35 forest fires have occurred so far. In particular, the forest fire in Hongseong and Daejeon are still under forest fire level 3. Forest fires in two regions have burned 30 houses, including private and livestock houses. So far, 800 residents were evacuated and no casualties were reported. Also, firefighting authorities have been made efforts to put out fires in mountain in central Seoul, which was not extinguished for over 20 hours. And finally, it was completely put out this afternoon after 25 hours, the authorities said. Uh, the fire started on Inwangsan Mountain, a popular trekking spot in the central ward of Jungno, shortly before noon Sunday and spread rapidly due to strong wind, temporarily forcing about 120 households to evacuate, according to the Seoul city government. No injuries or deaths have been reported, fortunately. Uh, the city government said all the smoldering fires were completely extinguished as of 1.27 p.m. today. According to the Korea Forest Service and fire authorities, the fire burned 14 hectares of forest, which is equivalent to 21 soccer fields. By the way, the Central Forest Fire Prevention Headquarters of the Korea Forest Service said a forest fire broke out at 12.20 p.m. today at a hill in Hampyeonggun, and two helicopters and 100 firefighters were deployed to extinguish the fire. At around 1.40 p.m. today, a forest fire also broke out in a hill in Suncheonshi, and putting out the fire is underway. As soon as the fire is extinguished, the forest authorities plan to investigate the cause of the fire and the extent of the damage. Now, of course, uh, we have been talking about that. It seems like uh, it's on a weekly basis, uh, almost on a daily basis, that we've been seeing these uh, wildfires happening. We've been talking about a combination of not just dry temperatures, uh, but Mm -hmm. uh, just drought. There's just no rain right now. And uh, it's usually during the springtime when we have a lot of precipitation. But since there are a large number of wildfires that are breaking out simultaneously across the nation, uh, do tell us what are some of the responses from the government and also the relevant authorities. Yes, SJ. So President Yoon Seok-yeol instructed relevant authorities Sunday to make all-out efforts to put out and prevent spring wildfires. 
According to presidential spokesperson Lee Do-eun, Yoon ordered the National Fire Agency and the National Forest Service to use all possible resources to extinguish the fires and called on the Interior and Defense Ministries to support the efforts. The National Fire Agency operated an emergency control team on the same day due to simultaneous uh, forest fires across the country and issued an emergency call for employees. Again, for our listeners out there, if you are in Korea, I know we've been having uh, fantastic uh, spring temperatures, uh, which mm-hmm. means that a lot of people are headed over to the mountains and things like that. You always have to caution, uh, make sure that... Number one, don't burn anything inside the, uh, you know, make namyeon and all the crazy things that some people do. They're also smoking is highly prohibited in these uh, Mm -hmm. forests. And uh, we've talked about, I think last year, there was a major wildfire that a lot of people are speculating that maybe a stray, uh, like a a cigarette butt was what uh, started uh, these fires. So even a small spark nowadays because of the dry conditions Mm -hmm. uh, is what is causing these wildfires. Uh, In the meantime, uh, let's talk about uh, President Yoon. He's been uh, quite busy traveling around uh, the east to west across uh, South Korea for the first time in the southern regions of uh, South Korea, of course. Politically, when you go to, for example, like in the Gyeongsang area, the TK area, it is a predominantly uh, conservative regions. And then you have the western areas like the Cholla, the Honam regions, which is traditionally a liberal state. Uh, we've been seeing him kind of moving around the country here trying to garner, uh, I guess, more support. We have been seeing President Yoon Sagyar and his approval rating drop down to the 30% range once again. He had been enjoying a relatively nice 40% range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, you had a number of issues. You had uh, the, the, the forced labor compensation mm-hmm resolution was which was marked with much criticism uh, also some people are saying that the summit with uh, Japanese Prime Minister uh, Fumio Kishida was not so I guess positive for Korea uh, it does seem like he is trying to garner his approval rating once again Mian he has been very busy with his travel across the country do tell us where he visited and some of his uh, political agendas that you want to highlight here. Yes, so the president's office has meticulously put forward this visit, regardless of this traditional regional political divisions we have in Korea, like SJ mentioned. And this is his actually first time visiting the TK and PK area, which are known for Daegu, Gyeongbuk, Busan and Gyeongnam, all southeastern area, all known to be the heart of conservatism. And also he's going to Honam area to win the minds of the public. Uh, President Yoon first attended the Fisherman's Day ceremony in Tongyang, which is the south of Gyeongsang province, and he said he would foster the fisheries industries as a future growth industry. While this was in line with his presidential campaign promise to take care of the fisheries industries, uh, it was also seen as a move to prevent the recent controversy over the import of seafood from Fukushima, Japan. Uh, This is why the presidential office emphasized just before the event that no Fukushima seafood will enter the country. He then traveled to Suncheon, which is uh, South Chola province, to attend the opening ceremony of Suncheon Bay International Garden Expo, where he promised to take care of Honam's development, saying that development Honam equals development of Korea. After a private visit to Jinhe military port in Gyeongnam to interact with the citizens, uh, Yoon stayed overnight in the area and threw out the ceremonial first pitch at the opening 
opening game of a baseball game at the Samsung Lions home stadium in Daegu the following day. Now, on that afternoon, he visited Daegu's famous uh, Salmon Market, which was the highlight of his two-day trip. Now, Salmon Market is the center of the public sentiment in Daegu, and it is also a city known as the heart of conservatism and has been a favorite of conservative politicians such as former President Park Geun-hye. But then again, as we have highlighted earlier from the critiques note, regarding this related development, um, lawyer Shin Pyeong, for example, said that President Yoon's frequent visit to Salmon Market uh, said on Facebook earlier on day, saying that he's overly focused on courting his supporters, unquote. Yeah, and so like the the consensus was when President Yoon Sagyar was campaigning, right, before he became mm-hmm. president and he was going to run under uh, the People Power Party, there was a lot of people saying that he's not a true conservative, no. right? And so there's the the hardcore conservatives, right? And then so one of the many things that he was trying to do to garner the conservative votes was, number one, of course, side with uh, former President Park Geun-hye, who, mm-hmm. by the way, President Yoon Suk-yeol was kind of responsible for, mm-hmm. you know, putting her behind bars and mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, trying to, you know, get her... Uh, but then the thing was, like, the, the Moon administration, of course, mm-hmm. basically gave her the pardon, uh, which would have been weird if... And then, he, of course, pardoned, uh, we had uh, uh, former President Lee Myung-bak. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to garner as much conservative voters as possible because he's not considered a true conservative for many. And uh, even with, again, for, you know, it was the KBO season, uh, new start of the KBO, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people might say that since he came from Chungam High School, which is a prestigious baseball high school in Seoul, mm-hmm. uh, that maybe he would have gone to maybe an LG KT opening game or maybe uh, Tucson Bears Lotte Giants opening game to throw out the ceremonial pitch. But uh, he went to Tegu, which again is mm-hmm. sort of the heart of conservative uh, voters out there. Uh, and so we'll see what he does right now, especially with the uh, approval rating kind of on a decline. Although uh, the last time I did check, I think his approval rating uh, went up at 0.7%, which is uh, not Mm -hmm. so much. Uh, Today marks the first day of the interpolation session. Uh, The ruling and opposition parties are expected to, of course, have fierce battle over the outcome of the the Korea-Japan summit. I mentioned earlier that this was also something that was met with some criticism that may have led uh, to the decline in the approval rating of President Yoon. Nevertheless, Yoon, are you going to give us some more details on this? That's right, SJ. The National Assembly will hold three days of interpolation session, starting with politics, diplomacy, unification and security on the third. On the government side, Prime Minister Han dok Foreign Minister Park Jin, Unification Minister Kwon Yong-se, Justice Minister Han Dong-hun, Defense Minister Lee Jong-seop, and Vice Minister of Public Administration and Security Han Chang-seop will attend. The People Power Party plans to highlight the achievements of the Korea-Japan summit during the session while highlighting the injustice of the 5 billion club, which is the special prosecution pushed by the opposition party with the leader of the Democratic Party, Lee Jae-myung. Questions will also follow regarding the development of the tactical nuclear warhead Hwasan-31, which is recently unveiled by North Korea, and the reform of the electoral system under discussion at the National Assembly. The Democratic Party of Korea plans to focus on the solution to forced labor through third-party reimbursement and the problems of the Korea-Japan summit. In particular, the government's position and countermeasures on the discharge of contaminated water from Fukushima and the import of marine products are expected to be considered. 
Uh, well, there are 10 lawmakers who will ask questions about the government, including Cho Kyung-tae, Yoon Sang-hyun, Lee Tae-kyu, Do Young-ho from People Power Party, and Kim Sang-hee, Park Yong-jin, Kim Byung-ju, Kim Hye-jae, Yoon Young-dok, and Kim Han-kyu on the Democratic Party. The interpolation session will be held in the order of economy on the 4th and education, society, and culture on the 5th. Again, it is going to be a fierce one, as mm -hmm. probably a lot of people are, are expecting here. And I think uh, uh, amongst the many things that are probably going to be uh, in contention, uh, of course, the, uh, the South Korea-Japan summit, and not to mention uh, the forced labor compensation mm -hmm. issue is going to be probably two of the things that the uh, the opposition, main opposition Democratic Party is going to probably target uh, some of these ministers here. Right. Um, I've mentioned earlier today, um, April 3rd actually marks mm. a, uh, a dark part, uh, a dark piece of dark history uh, here in South Korea. Uh, although the April 3rd Jeju massacre is something that happened over a span of several years, uh, we specifically kind of date it as April 3rd because I believe that was when the peak of uh, the deaths among the, uh, the, the Jeju residents kind of occurred here. Uh, well, it is the 75th anniversary of the April 3rd Jeju massacre. Uh, before we hear about this piece of uh, Korean history, first and foremost, Amiya, there was a service, memorial service that was held in Jeju. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, that's right. So the 75th anniversary of this tragic Jeju incident was held this morning at the Jeju Peace Park today. Uh, unfortunately, President Yoon Seong-yeol couldn't attend the ceremony uh, this year due to a scheduling conflict. And instead, on his behalf, Prime Minister Han Dok-su attended the event. During the service, uh, Prime Minister Han delivered a memorial speech uh, where he highlighted that it is our country's duty to honor the victims and share the pain of the bereaved families. And the way to truly honor them is to build a Korea where freedom and human rights flourish and also uh, Jeju Island to achieve greater prosperity based on the universal values and the spirit of liberal democracy. Uh, other than Prime Minister Han Dok-su himself, uh, Representative Kim Gi-hyun of the People Power Party could also not attend the event himself due to schedule conflict that he had with the Busan Expo-related events. So instead, uh, lawmaker Kim Byung-min from the People Power Party participated instead, whilst from the Democratic Party, Representative Lee Jae-myung and his fellow uh, party leadership attended the service. For our listeners out there in the second hour of the program, uh, we're going to be actually connecting with someone uh, to delve deeper into this uh, dark piece of Korean history, uh, talk about the significance of this particular day, April 3rd. But again, um, it is going to be a very difficult part of history, uh, Korean history that we're going to be talking about. So uh, do stick around for that coming up in the second hour. Uh, let's move on here to some security Issues uh, South Korea, the United States, and Japan kicking off their maritime drills in waters south of the Korean Peninsula. Uh, this is, of course, in order to reinforce deterrence against growing North Korea threats. We've been talking about North Korea uh, testing these nuclear torpedoes. They're going underwater with this. They're firing different mm -hmm. missiles from submarines and things like that. Well, nevertheless, uh, Yoon Gang, you have more details on this. Yes, SJ. So according to Seoul's defense ministry, South Korea, the United States, and Japan kicked off a trilateral naval exercise involving the USS Nimitz carrier uh, in the international water south of the southern island of Jeju-do on Monday amid joint efforts to deter threats from North Korea. 
Due to Pyongyang's recent provocative acts, uh, such as its unveiling of the Hwasan-31 tactical nuclear warhead and the test of the underwater nuclear attack drone Hail days earlier, the trilateral joint maneuvers followed. Uh, during the press release, Ministry of National Defense said the anti-submarine exercise was arranged to enhance response capabilities of South Korea, the U.S., and Japan against North Korea's advancing underwater threats, including from a submarine-launched ballistic missile. The anti-submarine drills will focus on enhancing the country's capabilities to detect, track, share information on, and defeat the North's underwater threats. During the search and rescue segment, they plan to practice first aid and the other emergency procedures for those in a simulated maritime accident. The three countries held trilateral anti-submarine drills last September, and this week's search and rescue drills among the three nations took place for the first time in seven years. Moving on here, we're going to uh, take a closer look at North Korea. There's been speculation uh, whether or not North Korea is indeed going to go with their seventh nuclear test it didn't happen last year despite uh, many saying that it might come on uh, mm -hmm. the u.s's independence day on fourth of july uh, they had a number of things like the the elections uh, in the united states uh didn't happen but there are some reports here this according to the washington page 38 north uh, which the monitors um, basically North Korea through their satellite imagery. They're saying they detected high level of activity at North Korea's main nuclear site. Uh, this also does come as earlier uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un ordered an increase in production of nuclear fuel to expand the country's nuclear arsenal. Mian, you're going to tell us more about this. Yes, yeah, so from the images between March the 3rd and 17th, the U.S.-based think tank 38 North said a high level of activity was spotted. Uh, this could indicate that an experimental light water reactor at the Yongbyon site was nearing completion and transition to operational status. The experimental light water reactor is a nuclear reactor fueled by low and reached uranium with an estimated capacity of 25 to 30 megawatts. While the reactor has appeared externally complete since 2016, the facility does not appear operational yet. But it is believed that the water discharge is observed uh, coming from a pipe that uh, empties into the Gudong River approximately 75 meters south of the experimental light water reactor pump house. Now, this is not the first time water discharge has been detected around this uh, ELWR, but does suggest some activities are taking place within the reactor itself. Uh, now, the images also indicated that a 5 megawatt reactor at Yongmyeon continued to operate and new construction had started around the site uranium enrichment plant, which is likely to expand its capabilities. And most importantly, um, these developments seem to reflect, as we said, um, Kim Jong-un's recent directive to increase the fissile material production to expand its nuclear weapons arsenal. Now, on Tuesday, North Korea state media revealed photos of Kim inspecting new smaller nuclear warheads as he ordered an expansion in the production of weapon-grade nuclear materials for an exponential increase in the North's arsenal. 
Now, experts said that the potential tactical nuclear weapons did indeed show key signs of technical progress here, but could indicate an imminent nuclear test. And we have been covering about the recent development on this Korean, Korean Peninsula, carrying out multiple drills in recent weeks in response to North Korea's provocations, including test firing of what state media described as an underwater nuclear-capable drone and the second launch of an intercontinental ballistic missile this year. So with these inevitable coming satellite images from North Korea, we really have to weigh out seriously of the possibility of the testing of nuclear weapons soon or later. Yeah, so anytime there's like activity at the Yongbyon nuclear facility, I mean, there's going to be concerning because that's the main nuclear facility, right? And mm -hmm. I believe the Pentagon also came out saying that North Korea, there's no doubt that they're ready, fully capable right now of testing their seventh nuclear test. It's not a matter of uh, can they, it's a matter of when, right? Mm -hmm. When are they going to be conducting this? And I think North Korea is going to have to juggle uh, different issues here because once they do test their seventh nuclear test, China and North, uh, Russia is not going to veto a UNSC resolution. They have no options but to kind of slap them with the sanctions here. That's the one thing that China and Russia just goes, all right, we don't, we're not going to use our veto power. Uh, but of course, we don't know. But nevertheless, North Korea also came out recently saying that, look, all these things that we said about our nuclear capability is not empty talk. We have the capability. And I think the reason why they're seeing this is because I think a lot of uh, weapons experts have come out saying that North Korea might be kind of exaggerating the technology that they have, right? Even their underwater drone capacity, they're just not able to do this. Uh, you know, they've been known to kind of uh, even exaggerate their technology for their hypersonic missile, which they're, you know, many experts have said that it's not really a hypersonic missile. So we'll see. I think the one thing is for sure that they're, they have the nuclear capacity. And the other question is whether or not uh, they're able to miniaturize their nuclear warhead, which then would be able to be embedded into either a short range ballistic missile or into content of ballistic missile. And that is going to be the big thing that everyone is looking at here. Let's move on. Um, by the way, guys, do you guys know what the slogan for Busan is? Uh, I know, like, for example... Like, you mean the he, Busan Expo? No, 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 no just the city, the, of city Busan, of, uh, the city of Busan. You know how, like, Seoul is I Seoul You? I, th I think it's Seoul oh. I Seoul You. Oh. <laughs> do you guys know what no. Busan slogan... Busan slogan is Busan is good. So That's it. <laughs> so I, is good. I was saying, right, I was saying that Busan... A better slogan, right, mm. would be Alive Busan. Because what do they say? Sarainne, right? In Busan people, they say Sarainne, uh, yes. right? Yeah. Alive Busan would have been a much better slogan. But Busan is good. It's, that's shocking. I mean, I guess Busan, Busan is good. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. But it's it still is. shocking. Uh -huh. Busan is As a slogan. Yeah, I think it's like their way of saying like Busan Jonde. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> I like it though. The, yeah. If you think of it that way, right? If you like, I think uh -huh. the Korean slogan is a lot better, but mm -hmm. because it's translated, it's Busan right, is good. Right. And so it seems so simple, right? It's right. so, so sarcastic. Busan is good. <laughs> Again, I think alive Busan is much better. But the reason Absolutely. why I say this is because Busan is one of my favorite places to mm. visit. Oh. And Busan is trying to win the bid for the 2030 World Expo there. We have mm -hmm. the Bureau International, the Expositions delegation there. This is the inspection team uh, that's in Busan for, I believe, uh, six days and five nights, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, in order to kind of look at whether or not Busan, the port city, is 
capable, fully capable of hosting the 2030 World Expos there. Yungyo, you're going to give us the latest details. That's right, SJ. The Bureau International Desposition's delegation visited Busan on the 2nd to inspect Busan, a candidate site for the 2030 World Expo. Uh, the eight-member team, led by Patrick Speit, uh, the president of the BIE Administration and Budget Committee, arrived in Seoul on Sunday for a six-day visit, during which they will visit the candidate city and meet with government officials, political and business leaders, and key figures involved in the BID project. On Monday morning, the BIE officials met with Trade, Industry and Energy Minister Lee Chang-yang and received the first presentation from the BID committee. They attended a luncheon hosted by Choi Tae-won, chairman of the Korea Chamber of Commerce and Industry and co-chair of the BID committee, and are scheduled to meet with Prime Minister Han Dok-soo, another co-chair of the committee, National Assembly Speaker Kim Jin-pyo, and Foreign Minister Park Jin. Uh, the delegation will travel to Busan on Tuesday, where they will first visit Ulsukdo Ecological Park and then receive the second bid presentation from the committee. They later will attend a dinner hosted by Busan Mayor Park Kong-jun. On Wednesday, they will inspect Busan, Busan North Port, the proposed expo site, where the committee will give the third presentation using 3D video technology. They will receive the final presentation from the committee Thursday and visit the UN Memorial Cemetery. Uh, they will have lunch together with people in their 20s and 30s and attend a farewell dinner with the BID committee and key figures from Busan that night. South Korea's second-largest city, Busan, is competing with Italy's Rome, Ukraine's Odisa, and Saudi Arabia's Riyadh to host the fair overseen by the BIE. The organization is scheduled to announce the winner in November. Again, I think Busan is perfect to host the, the World Expo. I know there are some people saying that right now Riyadh is leading this race in the four-way race, but mm -hmm. then uh, the inspection team recently went to Riyadh, and they were actually kind of disappointed with the facilities and their lack of prop, uh, preparation. Mm -hmm. And also they're saying Odessa might be symbolic, right, with all the geopolitical right. crisis that's happening right now in Ukraine. And come 2030, maybe it'll be a symbolic move mm -hmm. for them to host us. But again... We are hoping that Busan, uh, because Busan is good, will be able to see the city host uh, the 2030 World Expo. Let's move on here. The U.S. Inflation Reduction Act uh, guidance on electric vehicle subsidies. Uh, this has been um, welcomed by governments and industries as they see this signals an end to uncertainty to some extent. Uh, while there is no immediate need to change the existing process, of course, there's much work to be done is what some experts are saying. Nevertheless, we're going to get some more announcement on this IRA guidance. Mian, you have more on this. Yes, so it seems that the government and industry in general were initially relieved by the detailed guidelines released by the United States. The guidelines call for at least 50% of battery components to be made in North America and at least 40% of key minerals to be processed in the U.S. or a free trade agreement country. While the positive and negative plates are battery components, the key materials are such as anode active materials were excluded from the parts. Now, this is somewhat favorable condition to our Korean companies, which makes materials domestically and manufacture parts in North American factories. This means that we can get a tax credit of up to 10 million won for each electric vehicle without having to change the way we do business right away at the moment. The Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy welcomed the decision 
saying that it reflected our opinions to great extent. Now, the battery industry, whose uncertainty has been resolved to some extent, also evaluated this as somewhat win-win situation. But while we've bought time, there's still a lot of work to be done. The Treasury Department said the battery components and materials used in EVs should not be sourced from foreign entities of concern from 2024 and 2025, respectively. Now, the Treasury Department didn't uh, specify what entities are included in foreign entities of concern. The industry view here is Chinese companies will be included on the list. Uh, due to concerns that Washington has been trying to restrict import of minerals, minerals from China, uh, many Korean companies have been diversifying their supply chains for battery materials to other countries such as Indonesia and Argentina. However, um, diversifying supply chain remains challenging since we are highly dependent on China for securing key minerals. In particular, the directive requires 100% of battery components to be made in North Korea by 2029 and 80% of minerals by 2027. So it is said that the experts say that even the percentage increases by 10%, uh, automakers will eventually consider changing the country of import after all. So in the long run, we will likely to lose our price competitiveness in the market if relevant or adequate diversification of supply chain is not well placed. Yeah, think about it. When, when the vast majority of our materials come from uh, China, and that basically route is cut off and you have to go to uh, Indonesia or Argentina, mm -hmm. Obviously, the prices are going to start skyrocketing. And who does that ultimately impact? It's going to impact the consumers. And mm. cars are going to be super expensive now. So, right. again, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. But uh, that's going to lead to more inflation, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, let's move on here. Major oil-producing countries of the OPEC Plus uh, voluntarily made a pro cut production of oh, 1.16 million barrels a day. Uh, this is a decision made to stabilize the market here. You can let's get more on this. That's right, SJ. Major oil-producing countries belonging to OPEC+, Plus, which agreed to cut production on a large scale last year, announced a voluntary additional cut of 1.16 million barrels per day on the second. Saudi Arabia's state-run SPA news agency reported that Saudi oil um, production will decrease by 500,000 barrels per day starting next month. Uh, the Saudi Ministry of Energy explained that the cut, which is scheduled to continue until the end of the year, was carried out to stabilize the international crude oil market. The voluntary production cut is an additional step that will be implemented separately from the large-scale production cut policy of OPEC Plus meeting in October last year, the energy ministry added. The state-run news agency said the voluntary cut was a move to reduce market um, volatility. Uh, Iraq, Kuwait, Oman, Algeria, and Kazakhstan also participated in voluntary production cuts. Reuters reported that the additional production cuts announced by OPEC Plus member countries amounted to 1.16 million uh, barrels per day. And, uh, quote, as a responsible participant in the crude oil market, Russia will implement a 500,000 BPD voluntary production cut by the end of this year, Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak said in a statement. Bloomberg feared that uh, OPEC plus further cuts in production could raise tensions between the Joe Biden administration and Saudi Arabia. 
OPEC Plus announced a large-scale production cut of 2 million BPD ahead of the U.S. midterm elections in October last year. The U.S. has been calling on oil producers to increase production to curb high prices and limit Russia's oil sales revenue from invading Ukraine. That's going to be the biggest lie out there. To stabilize the market right now, the, <laughs> basically the economy is open because, I mean, we're living in the post-COVID era right now. There is mm -hmm. more demand for oil. Right. Uh, right now than it has been ever but they're trying to profit more from this right now and so here we go. Uh, more rising, uh, raising of the, the oil prices here. Uh, we're going to finish things off uh, with the uh, big news out of uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. There was an explosion that tore through a cafe in that city there, uh, killing a well-known military blogger and um, really a strident support of the for support of the war in Ukraine. Mian, how big was this explosion? And do tell us also some of the casualties uh, from this incident. Yes, so Russia's health ministry reported that an explosion at a cafe in St. Petersburg has killed one person and injured 25 more. But what is garnering more attention here is that the victim has been identified as a Russian military blogger who supported President Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Russian news reports said uh, Vladlin Tatarsky was killed in this explosion on Sunday uh, during an event organized by Russian patriarchs. Uh, he was a guest speaker apparently when the bomb went off. According to Russia media and other military bloggers, a woman uh, presented a and approached him and presented him with a box containing a statuette that apparently exploded and the organizers of the event are calling it a terrorist attack. Now, Russia's Interfax news agency reported that uh, this woman was arrested on a suspicion of involvement in the bombing and it said that she has been previously detained for taking part in anti-war rallies. Again, you're seeing a lot of people kind of going against this war even amongst the Russians right now and they're mm -hmm. saying that already Vladimir Putin, it's it's a, a he's losing support left and right, even um, even amongst his inner circle, and uh, even maybe the military is what they're saying as well. Nevertheless, guys, thank you very much for coming in today with your reports. Have a safe one, Mian. I hope you feel better. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, S J Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.